Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Rasputin. I was, um, so I was researching Rasputin. I was re- uh, Rasputin. I was Are researching Rasputin. I'm Are you thinking Rasputin. of food? Yes, okay. it's a vegetable soup. Made with just your hands, and it's warmed oh, by your body. But I was just looking at pictures because I like just kind of getting context of all the different people, like looking up pictures of Rasputin's wife and all the other people, just right. kind of see just what type of like peasant body they have. Mm-hmm. And there was one picture of Rasputin with sunglasses on and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, like in mid stride walking down the street. I was like, this motherfucker's slick. Very he cool. Like, like good. Like he was what he looked like a, a wet dog, but as he was walking <laughs> on the street, you could see him being like, I make this look good. And he's just like he puts on the sunglasses he leaves for the day with his dick slapping him in the knees. Absolutely. He's a real Joey Ramone. That's my definition of cool. Welcome to the last podcast of the I'm left. With you. I'm with you, man. Very cool. All right, welcome to the last podcast of the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hello. And we got uh, Henry in Hollywood. That's all I do. Holly Weird is what we're calling it, here, <laughs> yeah. actually. Because, you know, I, it's just a little bit off center. Yeah, I was in uh, Hollywood, Florida this past weekend, and, you know, no one goes there to achieve their dreams. <laughs> Everyone I spoke to was like, so I'm twice divorced. Uh, I cut back cigarettes, uh, so I'm down to three packs a day now. Uh, but it was the best. It was the best. I love those folks. It's a lot of people living in housing developments. Yeah, You know, like Hollywood, Florida is where you go when you haven't achieved your dreams and you're longing to be closer to the clouds of heaven. But can you, <laughs> and you know that God pays special attention to the people there just waiting to pluck them up. Can you imagine if someone went there to achieve their acting dreams, though, and were like, this is weird. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, man. Well, you're just in luck, little man. I'm glad you arrived from New York City. We've got a whole new production of the Pirates of Penzance happening at the East Coast Players. <laughs> All right, we are on to part two of, I will say it, not so twangy, mm-hmm. Ras... I can't not... <laughs> Rasputin! <laughs> We're doing Rasputin part two. So when we last left Rasputin, he had just turned 33 years old and was entering the city of Kazan. Which is the Russian version of the Shaquille O'Neal version movie, Kazam. Good movie. <laughs> Uh, by this point, Rasputin had developed enough of a reputation as a wandering holy man that he'd been designated as a staritz, which is a Russian word for a mystical, prayerful person. Wow. But it's very controversial because a staritz technically was supposed to be uh, from the Russian Orthodox Church. It was only supposed to be ordained by mm. the state church. So when people started calling Rasputin a staritz, people were immediately like, whoa. Whoa, this guy makes this shit look good. And he's like, I make this look good. And then he just tied, his pants were loose, and then he just tied his cock around his waist in a fucking knot to cinch it up. Yeah, so a wealthy man's belt. That's what they call that. 
So Rasputin showed up in the city with greasy hair, black, dirt-stained fingernails, and food in his beard. Oh. All, yeah. <laughs> all of which gave him that coveted peasant outsider vibe that people didn't even know they were looking for. They didn't even know they were fucking looking for it. He showed up, and people were like, whoa, who's this guy? Yeah. He makes this shit look good. And he's like, I make these look good. Again and again and again. It seems like that. It does seem to happen quite often. It's, he just was like, with any luck, they'll revere me as a god. Well, I mean, he was just right place, right time. He was the he was the right man for the time. They didn't even know they were looking for this type of guy, but they were. Wow. Because the Orthodox Church was inextricably tied to the government because the Orthodox Church was the official religion of the state. And it even had like a cabinet position. Yeah, the Holy Synod, I believe <laughs> no. it's called. Honestly, is that what it's called or is it Synod? Synod. Synod. <laughs> I've studied for this episode like I... Like I was studying for a high school history exam. Like I was going through all these. Now I just go like agrarian conflict, 1905 Russian Revolution, agrarian conflict. Like I don't know a goddamn thing. Yeah, Not but a lot unlike of stuff. unlike in high school, currently you're loaded with edibles yes. when you study. Yes. Well, since people were unhappy with the government at the time. This was exactly the right time for a flim-flam outsider like Rasputin to show up. Okay. And I think this is an important thing to remember here. People are much more likely to fall prey for an outsider con man when the establishment is corrupt. Even though he appears to be different, he's still mostly just interested in advancing himself. Reminds me of something, but I can't <laughs> put my finger <laughs> on it. But know, Maybe I'll think of it. What is it? Okay. But he did show up, but it's this is not we're joking around as always but he showed up like and it's weird everybody the whole system was corrupt right because the priests used to be a part of the government and then the russian government kicked them out of the government and then they brought them back in mm -hmm. there, there has been a constant war between the rich class the people that run russia and a church since for like hundreds of years so at this point most people just viewed the people that were the very top of the russian orthodox church as like people who just were keeping their positions and trying to keep all their special privileges mm -hmm. and so just having this guy who's like one of the people was right. such a breath of fresh air even though that the, the air that came off of him was fetid like a cow's mouth yeah absolutely <laughs> it's like when outlaw country said elvis you're a fraud <laughs> We're the ones doing the drinking. We're the ones okay. doing the drugging. We'll get into outlaw country because I've been listening to a lot of it. <laughs> well, Rasputin was definitely one of these outsider con men. He was cunning, manipulative, and highly intelligent, but he disguised himself as nothing more than a charming hick with a new perspective. Okay. And people loved him for it. Yes, he did the the Jeff Foxworthy bit. Right. It's, it's literally just being like, well, I don't know. I'm just a simple man. And everyone just was like eating it up. Yep. I have a feeling that Garth Brooks has very few friends in low places at this point. I think it's like the low places are like the guy who just bought a small yacht. I hire people in low places. Now, another enduring myth about Rasputin, and that's even one that Henry just put to the forefront, was that his odor was, quote-unquote, disagreeable, as mm. one of his enemies said. Oh. They said that he was plagued by a goat smell. Okay. But actually, Rasputin would have been horrified to learn that this has become almost a fact of his character. Really? 
Because Fuhrman, author of The Untold Story, contends that Rasputin was actually a pretty vain guy. Hmm. He spent a lot of time in bathhouses, but it could also be said that that probably had more to do with him getting laid under the guise of, quote-unquote, battling the devil hmm. than taking an actual bath. Well, that is that is always difficult when you smell horrible. You don't think you smell horrible. You got to have a friend that tells you. <laughs> I guess Rasputin. I, I guess he didn't have a bud like that, huh? Yeah, maybe somebody could just take a plane and drop a bunch of pamphlets all over Europe explaining that <laughs> because they all think they're very fashionable. But Rasputin was very conscious of his style. It's like what you see in L.A. and New York. It's mm-hmm. the it's the someone who look, L.A. specifically when somebody looks like a homeless person in a fancy restaurant. You know yep. for a fact that those clothes like that's that's a two thousand dollar outfit yeah that it was made for him to look homeless and he has styled himself to look like i don't care but actually they care very much because right. a part of it what is that rasputin knew ahead of time which is technically magical thinking mm-hmm. is that my outside perspective when way people see me is will help me get inside of your fucking head because I look like a character and now you will build me up as a character and then I become a bigger persona in your life again and again. And isn't that a part of secular humanism or Satanism when you flip the script on someone? They think Mm -hmm. you're, oh, this guy's a homeless idiot. I can't, uh, and then when he starts speaking, they're they're barbed in by him. They're hooked in. Absolutely. So because Rasputin, he was extremely aware of his peasant appearance and demeanor, so he used the perception to his advantage and said whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and the upper crust loved him for it. He played it up. Hmm. He gave people little nicknames. Like, that was just what... It's fucking great. (laughs) It's really funny. This is really funny. He showed up into this fancy town. Because you remember, he was just walking for miles. When he showed up, right, like, he decided to go to Kazan, the big city... He arrives in town, and people are like, who's this guy? Because apparently, a part of his long walk, what it did for him, toned his face and his legs and his body. He got a fucking tan. Mm. He looked good. He had this air of a traveler. And then he was fucking roasting people. He'd (laughs) walk into these, like, parlor rooms and give them zingers, and everyone's like, ha, Rasputin, you're the fucking best. Yeah, he'd call women names like Hot Stuff, Boss Lady, or Sexy Girl. Oh, wow. Hey, sexy girl, you're Melons. I, I am from small country, small small little farm town, and when I look at your ma'am, I first say, are you cantaloupe thief? Because it seems you are hiding cantaloupes up in your chest area, you sexy girl. Uh, yes, get I, get the, I, I get the joke. I wonder if he was surprised it worked. I honestly, he reminds me of, he, he's Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack. Yeah, I could see that. Or Meet Wally Sparks, or Back to School, or yes, every Rodney movie that Rodney Dangerfield was in. Yeah, we were the only one that got the cute ones that got the cute little nicknames. Men also got them as well. Oh. They had names like Fancy Pants, Ooh. Big Breeches, Long Hair, or just simply Fella. Yeah, you got that to me, you fucking. This Rasputin is funny as shit, dude. Yeah. I will say, if I was the one who was named Fella, nicknamed Fella, I would be a little bit sad because you were like, long hair, big britches. And he'd be like, name me, name me, name me. Uh,. Fella, fella, guy, <laughs> nothing, nothing more. Listen, let me just say one now thing, okay? From a man who's had many nicknames his whole life, never beg for a nickname. Inspiration <laughs> makes you look like a fucking dog. Oh, makes me want to slap you with my hat. What did I say? <laughs> Got a big beard, like big ears, anything? <laughs> But most everyone just brushed it off as the humor of a peasant. Wow. 
And ironically, it was the corrupt church that really embraced Rasputin first. To greatly simplify it, they were looking for an earthy type that could connect with the common peasant to show him, look, we got one of yours, please don't kill us. So he was really the bridge from the working class to the higher ups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or at least that's what they wanted him to be. That's okay. what they thought he was. But that's where Rasputin's greatest genius was for me and what made him a, 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 an interesting, the, the best flim-flam man in history, one mm. of the best, was that when he showed up, it was like he did that classic kind of negotiation tactic where he'd wait for people to speak and see what was going on. Right. When he first arrived in Kazan, he would just kind of go places and listen and kind of like talk with people and see what people's natural reactions were to him. Mm-hmm. And he'd kind of play the field a little bit and kind of pick and see how people reacted. And then when they saw people be like, oh, you're like a country guy. We've been waiting for a country guy for a long time. And he's like, yes, I am country. Look, uh, <laughs> tattoo of pig on calf. Like I'm a butcher somewhere in Atlanta or something. Yeah, but you know, that's a great skill. Marcus, you taught me that skill via interviewing. Listen to the person, and they basically give you the question. Oh, absolutely, yeah. man. So almost as soon as Rasputin arrived, he started climbing the social ranks of the church, and the first big get was a guy named Gavril. Oh. Rasputin got on his side with the power of precognition, but this was just another flim-flam stunt. Okay. Rasputin told Gra- Gavril that he should watch out for a young monk named Father Philip. Gavril didn't take Rasputin seriously, but sure enough, a few days later, Father Philip tried stabbing Gavril to death. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. So I just (laughs) wanted, like, that's got to be weird if you just meet a guy at a party and he says, like, hey, man, uh, be careful of, like, a dude named Philip. (laughs) (laughs) Why, man? What's going to, why? I don't know, bro. Shit fucking happens when Philip is around. Dang. It's going to happen to you, okay? So All right. He's super paranoid, okay? Got it. Get out of here, you long fuck. That's your nickname. I'll call you long fuck. Yes, I got a nickname. So Gavril survived and dubbed Rasputin a true mystic, but this prediction seems to be the first example of many of Rasputin just being extremely talented at paying attention to his surroundings mm. and making educated guesses. The guy could read a room like nobody else. So sort of like a spiritual Sherlock Holmes in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, honestly, well, it sounds like a, like a Joel Osteen. It's the, uh, and also having the religious background. Right. Where you show up and you can be a, you are automatically placed on a certain level of respect and because you are a, you're a holy man. Right. And so they are already expecting certain things out of you, which is why pedophiles take jobs of authority because they can do the same thing. Because immediately you get a, a, a level of, of of command over someone. Well, I want to give you credit. That's an amazing leap to pedophiles. <laughs> I you. did not, out of left field, with Joel Osteen, it's funny because it gets easier the larger your congregation. So if you're yes. talking to 10 million folks, you can basically say anything and at least 10, who has the gout on their left foot? 30 <laughs> hands will go up. I mean, it's, uh, you know, everyone lost some family member or something. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the that's how John Edwards uh, did his whole spiritual mumbo jumbo for so long. On crossing over, not, mm-hmm. the, not the former presidential candidate. <laughs> Um, crossing over. If you get a chance, watch the deleted scenes of Crossing Over. Oh. It is hilarious. Uh, I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a uh, Marmaduke Marmaduke Marmaduke. Sir, oh there's God. no one named Marmaduke. I'm just making up names here with the spirits. Tell me. No, but Henry, I have a Marmaduke cartoon in my pocket. Oh my Fuck. God! It actually worked.
<laughs> well, the thing about the predictions is that we only hear about the correct predictions that Rasputin mm. made. We never really hear about the dozens, if not hundreds of times, that he made predictions that never came true. Mm. This guy was just throwing shit against the wall to see what would stick. Right. However, Rasputin actually did have a talent for at least making people feel better. It wasn't just guesswork. His specialty in Kazan was to cure depression and malaise after a single half-hour conversation. Uh, come sit with me. I don't know if you've ever heard of a thing called Vine compilations. <laughs> Some I of haven't. these are the funniest shit. They're six seconds, so you could blow through like a hundred of them at a time, and they bring smiles to everyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Vine, but it's a little long. Can we make one four seconds? <laughs> but Rasputin didn't just congregate with the higher-ups. He also made friends with his peers, specifically a young monk named Sergei Trufanov, hmm. later hmm. to be dubbed Iliodor. But cool. he won't play a part in this story just yet. All right. So Rasputin's final social quest in Kazan was the local bishop, and pretty soon, that bishop was impressed enough with Rasputin to send him to talk with church leaders in St. Petersburg, home of the Imperial Family and the Cosmopolitan Center of Russia. They sent him, like, right up the pipe. Yeah, They really did. Like, he showed up, and it was just win after win after win. It's like a Donald Glover. Like he's like he's like popped into town, and they're like, "You are a superstar." And he's right. like, "Me? Just me?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, how long are we talking here? What's the time frame? A year, two years? Dude, or? he went from his first pilgrimage and his conversion to St. Petersburg on the church's dime mm-hmm. in five years. Wow! And he was doing it in a first-class train car. Oh, a lot has changed in five years much for is, the guy. Much has changed. He's not going. He's not walking through the swamps and standing and letting all the insects bite him anymore. This guy's riding in style. Okay. But also, he took to it immediately. Oh, Before yeah. remember, he put himself on that walk in order to gain spiritual oneness with nature and with God. Like right. it was supposed to be a genuine expression of like i'm gonna go search for god and he finds me and but now as soon as he got in that train car he was like oh cup holders <laughs> this is amazing you could put anything in here you could put the cup i could put a bunch of peanuts if i want to oh, whoa look at this there's no swamp rats <laughs> i promised everyone i would never fly first class but delta had quite a deal going back down to florida and i did fly first class and uh wow uh, yeah wow. i get it I get it. It's different. They treat you like, uh, dare I say, human? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, they go like, Mr. Kissel, so yeah. thankful for you to come, Mr. Kissel. <laughs> they got a little cocktail for you. It's very nice. So when Rasputin arrived in St. Petersburg, he found a city pretty much tailor-made for him. As Fuhrman wrote in The Untold Story, St. Petersburg was a hedonistic, artificial, cynical city. Extravagant privilege mingled with grinding despair. Okay. Oh, it's like New York. Yeah, New York City. It's like New York City. (laughs) But when you go... To St. Petersburg, because it was supposed to be the the flip of Moscow. I forgot who it was that, that worked at St. Peter's. I think it was Peter. I think it was Peter the Great. Was that him? Pedro the Great? I'm trying to learn history in this show. But he... Uh, when St. Petersburg was built to be like the free swinging one because Moscow and Moscovites were, uh, it was it was cold and the streets were niddle yeah. and the streets were filled with gargoyles. <laughs> and then you go to St. Petersburg and there are like 
glory holes everywhere. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then yeah. maybe a jump. Well, I don't know, man, because like every newspaper in St. Petersburg was just filled with advertisements for old-timey cures for venereal diseases. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's how much people fucked in that town. Oh, like a yeah, retirement it's home. <laughs> it's like a retirement home, except where it's stuff like it's bells to attach to your belt buckle so it would scare the dick demons. <laughs> <laughs> so soon after Rasputin's arrival, armed with a recommendation from the Bishop of Kazan, he took a meeting with a group of St. Petersburg bishops. In this meeting, Rasputin made three predictions. One bishop would lo- soon lose his mother, another would have an illegitimate child, and the third would soon have a hernia. Ooh. And I, um, I have a fourth one coming up, and what I will say is a, a dark cloud will spread its disease and pestilence all over St. Petersburg very, very soon. <laughs> Did it again. Hey, you guys love this shit, though. They just high-fived all. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Henry, for allowing me to window into my funny word of raspoopin', uh, which was something that I did want to squeeze in here, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's said that all three of Rasputin's predictions about the bishops came true in fairly quick succession. Now, it doesn't really matter if they all really did come true. We really don't know. But what matters is that people believed they came true. And when it came to Rasputin, nothing was more important than what people believed for good and ill. So, I mean, the guy that you don't think the guy actually lost his mother. You think he just looked at his mother and be like, you're dead to me. Get out of here. Rasputin said you were dead. Well, it's more about like he because eventually Rasputin had people like he had his like his coterie of people that worshipped him. So Mm. they would just spread his lore everywhere in order to build themselves up as being attached to Rasputin. So eventually these bishops didn't even matter because now he's like already discarded this low-level bishop of Kazan and he's moving his way all the way up to the top. How many followers do you think he has around this point? Is, is he really uh, well-known yet? No, 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 no. He's still very, very new in St. Petersburg. Uh, and the guy that really brought him higher to the top, though, it was still a guy in the church, but it, he was higher than the bishops. He was a guy named... Archimandrite, Archimandrite Theophon. Nailed it. <laughs> Archimandrite, well, that was his title. Ah. Theophon was his name, or maybe it's Theophon. I'm not agrarian, really sure. Agrarian <laughs> response to this. There's an agrarian problem. Yeah. I'm just happy you guys can feel my uh, unbelievable pain when it comes to mispronouncing names. It's a nightmare, right? Russia was a multi-ethnic empire. Agrarian. <laughs> Feofan was the inspector of the Theological Academy and confessor of Tsar Nicholas II and his Tsarina Alexandra. So this guy had, he had the ears of the people at the tip top. He had some clout. Oh, very much so. And it's said that when Feofan met Rasputin, he was, quote, dazzled by Rasputin's psychological perspicacity. So he was also like, uh... Uh, I'm sorry, I just blanked on its name. The old, the old black uh, politician that ran for president a bunch of times. Uh, Herman Cain? Cain? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's uh, like the, Alan the guy. Was, was the fast talker. The guy who was very famous with the mustache. Herman Cain. <laughs> Agrarian. Are you thinking, imagine there's no pizza? No. Are you thinking Jesse Jackson? Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. The Rainbow Coalition. But yeah, oh but God. a lot of, he had a lot of alliteration. 
Yes, yes. If you get a chance, listen to Herman Cain singing Imagine There's No Pizza at the Godfather's Company. I think it was a Christmas event or something. It's phenomenal. I met him and I and I told him that was my favorite thing ever. He looked at me like I was making fun of him, but I love it. Well, Theophon, he used Rasputin as currency of his own. He used this new guy in town to impress all the other apathetic aristocrats that he hung around with. Because at this time in Russia, the aristocracy were bored with the church and obsessed with the occult, which makes Mm. sense as this time was in world history when the occult was extremely popular among the rich all over the world. This wasn't just a Russia thing. And while in America, it pretty much petered out thanks to the efforts of heroes like Harry Houdini. In Europe, shit got really out of hand, to say the least, especially in places like Germany, with things Uh, like the Thule Society, uh, which eventually took control of the Nazis. Really got out of hand. (laughs) Yep. I just saw Henry's room just lightened up as the light bulb above his head just went off. It was like, I know about it. I know about about that. That I remember. Thule Society. They did not have agrarian problems. I don't know what agrarian means. Uh, Agriculture. Whatever. (laughs) Just say whatever with confidence and then it becomes real. In Russia, though, the casual nature with which the rich treated the occult took hold from within the current establishment and rotted it from the inside. Mm. And that rot's name was Rasputin. I I prefer being called a stain. (laughs) (laughs) Anything's better than fella. (laughs) Now, a common misconception is that the occult equals the devil. Mm. But that isn't true. It's not true. The occult means what is hidden. Yeah, exactly. While it can involve Satan, a lot of times the occult is just another word for the supernatural. And that can definitely involve the Christian God. Of course. Well, remember this, right? If you really believe in God, right, and you believe that God is a part of your life, like, what is more supernatural than that? What is more like the idea of being in touch with an entity that can magically manifest things in your life, can, can cause natural disasters, created you, created the universe. So the, the, it's intrinsically the occult, but also what is forever hidden? The actual mechanisms and psychology of God, what that is, what, what that, what that fucking entity thinks and, and how it feels. Yeah. Yes. I greatly offended my mother over the weekend. Uh, she was talking about religion and I told her she was a witch. (laughs) And then she said, no, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I was like, no, but you sound like a witch. (laughs) My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put 
photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. So the first people to really bring Rasputin into the fold were two sisters, the Grand Duchesses of Montenegro, Melitza and Anastasia. Oh. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, Their dark complexion, combined with their interest in the occult, gained them a few nicknames as well. Uh-oh. They were known as the Black Pearls, the Crow Sisters, or, most interestingly... The Black Peril. Fuck yeah. The, <laughs> the Black Pearl sounds like a Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra? Kama Sutra? Kama. 
Kama, <laughs> Kama Sutra? I don't uh, know, uh, but uh, it sounds like it could be a disgusting sex act as well. <laughs> well, technically, it sounds like the reason why I truly do have to cut a hole for my butthole out of my butt hair, oh. um, which is true oh. because it grows over, oh. it grows over it so much that what? I have to oh. cut a hole You're like it. a dog. That's what <laughs> yes. I had to do to Teddy Bear, the Pomeranian. Oh, that's yes. the first thing you've ever said that actually made me gag. I have two different scissors, one that I do for myself oh. and then one that I do you for Wendy. <laughs> you are... I'm pretty sure you're a cursed scientist. <laughs> I, you're I turning into a pug. I'm disgusting. But think about this. This is like a goth secret government. This is what Marilyn Manson always hoped would happen. And eventually he would become a senator because goth chicks would get him in there. Because that's what it is. It's two goth chicks that have the ear of Alexandra. She would she would collect people in her coterie that would mm. show up and, and get the ear of her and listen to her. Because we'll, we'll get into Alexandra's f- uh, uh, love of the occult later on. But when they showed up like these were two like they were like packaged for this shit yeah. they were dressing all black they were like we know this secret hairy man that will teach you all of <laughs> everything about the future right. and he's standing there like swinging his huge arms and like <laughs> muttering philosophically this is like this is pretty sweet yeah he's collecting a lot of validation it seems like he's collecting validation and what's brilliant about what he's doing is they all think that they're using him mm. like all of these people think that they're using Rasputin to further their reputation when in fact when in fact Rasputin is using them to gain more and more power okay. while they all think that he's just some dumb head because the uh, these sisters they kept telling us like Rasputin if you don't do exactly what we say that it will be the ruin of you you're gonna cry Crash and burn. He was like, yes, yes, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where's the bathroom, huh? I'm going to go use that. And he climbs up out of the bathroom window into the czar's house, being like, I don't know how I got here. I'm just a simple country man. And they're all like, oh, refreshing. <laughs> now, it was said that the sisters had supernatural powers and hung out with a close circle of magicians, mystics, and sorcerers at their palace, which had been nicknamed the Central Point of Evil Powers. And the only way you can come is you have to wear lace gloves and you have to wear a hat with a crow on it. And they're like, oh. <laughs> That is just that's that's a nerd alert. That's a nerd alert meeting right there. No, man, it's fucking cool. It's like it's just like if burlesque w- w- was a a way to run the government. <laughs> well, who says it's not? Well, these women they were both ridiculed, but also feared by their peers. But one person who not only didn't mind, but also wholeheartedly believed in all things spiritual to a fault was who else but Tsarina Alexandra, the Empress. Oh, cool. It's like the girls from the craft, if they, if they actually had power. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and then they're talking to the president. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's fun. So finally, let's get in to the Russian imperial family, the Romanovs. Ooh. Yes. Now, this is always very complicated. There's a, there's a lot to history when it comes to the uh, Russian imperial family. Uh, it's very thick. 
So we're going to do our best to do a bit of a sum up of what is hundreds of years of history. It is so. Um, I hope that we do it good. All right, here's a bit of a sum up. I'm simplifying as much as I could. I I'd, I studied a lot of this stuff, but I'm I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible while still being truthful and factual. Okay. So at the very dawn of the 20th century. I imagine it on the farm. Okay. <laughs> Russia was still ruled by a czar and a czarina, an emperor and an empress. And this was a straight European monarchy complete with all the genetic trappings and the occasional incompetent rulers who got the job for no other reason than they were just the next oldest male in line. Two, two things you want to look up first of all, if you're really interested in this kind of shit, is that Hardcore History did a really good episode in World War I that, that really truly explains how, the, how morons just got inherited to mm. the top of the, the food chain of all these governments and they fucked up everything during World War One, And that also, uh, it's they, the, in Russia, they made it specifically difficult for women to rule. Yeah. So it was, it, so they had to have a, a boy in the line, which is in the end what really fucked Russia. Yeah, it was Catherine the Great that pissed off the Russians, so, the Russian men so bad that they changed all of the rules so it oh. could be only men who could rule from then on. Okay. Well, unfortunately for the people of Russia, and frankly, the world, Alexandra carried the bad royal genes, and while Nicholas would have probably survived his reign at just about any other time during the 300 years of Romanov rule, he was exactly the wrong ruler for this time in Russia. Hmm. First of all, he was terribly unprepared for the position. Okay. According to Fuhrman, he was emotionally immature and had no confidence whatsoever. And when his father died prematurely in 1894, Nicholas had a hysterical breakdown, not because his father was dead, but because he knew he had no business being the czar at all. So basically they chose Martin, uh, oh my goodness, I just had it. What's the name? Martin, very good comedian. You know, very famous. Martin Mull? No, not, not <laughs> Martin Mull. Martin Mull? <laughs> no, Martin Short. Basically, he's Martin Short from the movie Pure Luck. Yes. Yes. Good what is happening to all of us? Our Martin. brains are fucking destroyed. Is it just booze? I, I've been working so hard on this this week. That you like, came up with Martin Mull, which is just phenomenal. Very weird reference. Very strange. But no, they all show up. But also, yeah, Nicholas was over-mothered. He was overschooled, and they wouldn't ever tell him he was wrong. Though, like he, there was like a rule came down from on top to be like, never tell Nicholas that he's wrong. And then he watched his father was his father, his grandfather, the czar, got blowed up by a fucking bomb. Oh. And they, they, because you know it's more of it back in the day. So like, you must say goodbye to your grandfather before he fucking dies. They roll him <laughs> into the room. The grandfather's legs are hanging off, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, you got this job now, little boy. This is your fucking job. And he's like, oh, shit, man. Oh, man. Grandfather looks like the like the knight from, what was it, the, the meaning of life? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the thing was is that he came in completely unprepared, but he also never really wanted to learn after he actually got the job. I mean, he wasn't a complete idiot, but he did have the staunch belief that Russia was meant to be an autocratic state, ordained by God, mm. and anything else would come at the peril 
of the Russian people. Okay. Well, it did seem like an almost immature boy-like idea is that when he showed up, he was like very much been like, I'm king now and <laughs> I want to be the one who's the decider. I tell people what to do. And it's like, all right, well, fucking good luck. That's well, exactly what George W. Bush called. I'm, I'm the decider. I'm the <laughs> decider. I'm the uh, how old was this guy? Was he super young or was he mid 30s? 30s, yeah. 30s. So he shouldn't have been this immature. No, he should not have been. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but late 20s, early 30s. But he was not. He was not young. Now that he was, I think he was around our age. Okay, you know, somewhere around there. So just imagine if one of us was your leader. <laughs> imagine if one of us was in charge of the largest country on earth. I think we could do actually very well. <laughs> I'm confident. Yes. Well, what Nicholas did is he ignored the good advice of people who knew what they were doing and instead listened to all the wrong people, mm. namely his wife, who had no business whatsoever involving herself in affairs of state. Now, as I said, in almost any other time, Nicholas may have been able to weather the storm and Rasputin, by extension, would have been able to weather it too. But Rasputin was a man of dualities, and this was both the exact right time and the exact wrong time for him to rise to power. For Nicholas, though, it was only the wrong time, because he bumbled his way from one crisis to another even before Rasputin came on the scene. As Trotsky said, Nicholas inherited both an empire and a revolution, and he wasn't equipped to deal with either. Hmm. He spec spectacularly fucked up the Sino-Japanese War of 1904 Mm. in an attempt to expand Russia even further, and he followed that up by ordering troops to open fire on a group of peaceful demonstrators. Wait, hold on. So, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Total Recall is a Russian? (laughs) No, is it Running Man, rather? Arnold Schwarzenegger from Running Running Man Man is a Russian. (laughs) No, he was just trying to get places quickly, which is, is that the third Russian rushing joke? So far, or has it just been one so far? I think that's the first one. I think it's the first one, actually. Yeah, we waited. Wow, we waited a long time to bring that one in. I'm proud of myself. Well, when Nicholas ordered the troops to open fire on those demonstrators, that ended up triggering a small revolution. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing, is that you say small... But it was, like, very important according to all the things I was reading. That it was very big, <laughs> well, but it was small. Let's say comparatively small to what happened in 1917. Okay. This yes. is back in 1905. All right. And by the end of it, Russia had a constitutional monarchy, essentially, with civil liberties and a legislature called the Duma. Oh. And Nicholas was no longer an autocrat, but... He never really got that through his skull. He never really accepted that he wasn't the only one in charge anymore. Hmm. Can I have a question, though? Can I, can I have a question? Isn't a Duma also the same as a Fupa, but in the back? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, yeah. I'll yes. give it to you. Yes. yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Like, so that's, uh, all right, so back to the learning. <laughs> Well, all Nicholas wanted was for people to tell him everything he was doing was grand and great. Mm. Not because of ego, though. He wanted that because he had no confidence whatsoever in Mm. anything he was doing. And the person who told him he was great the most was his wife, Alexandra. They really loved each other, though. Yeah, they really loved each other. They absolutely did. And we'll we'll get into what problems that created later on. But you would think you would be happy. He he no longer has to bear the total burden of being a leader. No, but that's the thing is that he believes that he he was ordained by God. 
to lead the Russian people. You know, like he was raised by that. That's the problem with these people that uh-huh. think that God chooses them yes. for uh, their positions in political office. It is also very it, funny. God tends to go the way of the polling data as well, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of fascinating. Yes. But they would swing back and forth. Different czars wanted more people to have, because before it, it was like it was that was what they said was ironic about the czar before him getting assassinated is that he did so much to like open up to have the people be more involved in the government like that's what they were trying to do um and so having the duma now involved was supposed to it technically makes shit a lot more complicated much. because now oh, you're yeah. listening to the whole sea of people that have been elected to give you advice but still you are the decider as the czar so you could do whatever the fuck it is that you want which is what's going to be the end of Nicholas. It's going to be him always being like, but I have an idea. And they're like, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> and then like, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, ag- agrarian. And he's saying agrarian. <laughs> well, Alexandra, she came with her own problems. Alexandra, or Alex, as she was called, was a princess of Hesse Ooh. out of Germany. Okay. She was also a niece of Queen Victoria. She's a German and a Russian. Uh, well, she's actually German and raised in England. Oh. She actually wasn't. That's the funny thing is that she wasn't Russian at all. This was that like whole European royalty thing where they just kind of intermarry, but only with each other. Huh. Uh, and she was born in Germany, raised in England, and she didn't. She barely even knew Russian. Her and Nicholas actually spoke English to each kind other. Kind of a slow that walker. Was, kind of a slow walker, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is train. fun. Woo! This is yeah. weird. Woo! Gosh. <laughs> what? I mean, it's just something you know with the you know story. What? I don't. I don't have any more fun than I do with the two of you. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's yeah. Like if we were trapped on an island together, it would take me two years to murder one of you, and that's a lot. That's good. Like a lot of time. Yeah. Well, the other thing about a lot- I just have a feeling that you guys would murder me first. Just start looking at my loose skin, mm. fantasizing about tents, and then be like, "We could use him as a canoe." But you know that when we finally hack into our reserve cases of Bud Lime, and they're like, "No, Kissel, have more, have more," and you're like, "You guys are being real generous." Right? We just want to make sure you sleep real good, Kissel. Uh huh. Start throwing pineapple slices on me. <laughs> Well, the thing is about Alexandra, or let's just call her Alex from okay. now on, because I like that. Uh, Alex, she was German, and being German made a lot of Russians distrust her right off the bat, because Germans and Russians don't really get along with each other. Hmm. And her personality didn't really help a whole lot either. She was described as cold, aloof, and morbid, oh. but she was a woman of conviction, and she always did what she thought was right. Unfortunately, okay. though, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, Heard especially that. when it comes to Alex. Okay. Well, however, Nicholas and Alex, as we said, were actually very much in love with each other, perhaps too much, and they trusted each other. And all this shit is great if you're just a couple of schlubs living in the suburbs figuring out how to pay your bills. Right. So you're saying if this is a Kevin James show, this is a wonderful, attractive couple that you root for. Basically, (laughs) but uh, in this... He is literally the king of queens. Yeah, get Yes. Get on, man. Woo. Yes. Wow. Don't look at me wow. that way. Don't look at me that way. I'm not food. You are earning your Patreon cut today. But when you're a couple of slightly dim rich kids with no critical thinking skills in charge of the largest empire of the world during one of the most critical times in all of human history... It's not going to end well. Mm. Well, technically, it just becomes a CW show. Uh. It just moves from one of those networks to a cable show or a Tudors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. 
I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. 
and eventually I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at Babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So Nicholas and Alex's first four kids were girls, which was a problem as a lack of a male heir would end the Romanov family line. Hmm. Alex, she saw her inability to have a boy as a sign that she'd pissed off God somehow. So she threw herself into religion and spirituality. Problem was, she overdid it, which alienated people even further. It also made her susceptible to flim-flam men. The first of which being a Frenchman named Monsieur Nillier Philippe. I like that I'm French and that my name also with the French accent is barely any words. <laughs> my name is Monsieur Nillier Mysterious. Mysterious, yeah. Well, Philippe had been kicked out of med school years before, but still practiced what he called occult medicine. It's better than real medicine because I can make it up. And I'm always right. Oh, A plus you get, Philip, for your class in bullshit for the morning. Well, he treated people with what he called, quote, psychic fluids and astral forces. (laughs) Sounds like... So this guy, Philippe, was introduced to the Empress by the Crow Sisters. Oh who were always flitting around the Imperial Palace when it came to all things occult. So in the service of the Empress, Philip Bay claimed that he could select the sex of an embryo using hermetic medicine, astronomy, and psychurgy to give the Romanovs the male heir they required. Okay. Psychurgy is also just fucking made up. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I even want to look it up. Like, I, like, I saw that too in the thing, and I was like, what is psychurgy? Um, the supposed ability to understand and enhance the structure, operation, and capabilities of the mind through thinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What does that mean? No idea. No clue. But since Philippe was practicing medicine without a license, Nicholas needed to give him some legitimacy, so he just said, fuck it, you seem pretty cool to me, and gave the magician a doctor's diploma. Hey, all right. That's how, that's, what, that's what's great about being the emperor. Yeah, you get a diploma. You get a diploma. Why is our nation full of idiots? But again, he just says shit, and then everyone has to jump and say, oh, okay, but you don't become a doctor just because you have the piece of paper, but I guess you do then. Yeah, you then you're a doctor. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> now, a lot of people in Russian high society actually took this guy seriously. They even took his claims that he had a variety of magic hats that could make him <laughs> and whosoever he chose to share his collection invisible. Seriously. And then Rasputin shows up and he's like, oh, you've got the magic hat, huh? Make you invisible. I've got the jacket that can give you that makes you smell like a goat. <laughs> That's just your jacket, Rasputin. Yeah, got you fucked. Everybody's laughing with my fucking ass. But a hell of a lot more people were skeptical about Magic Hat Man. But interestingly, not of the Magic Hats. Oh, they they believed the Magic Hats. They were totally cool with the Magic Hats. Did he ever put them on and become invisible? I don't know. I don't think so, but they definitely did see him, and they're like, well, if you squint so much that you close your eyes, you can't see him. Um, no, they were really skeptical because they thought that those magic hats came from the Jews. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Or, and or the Freemasons. 
Okay. So that was their problem. That was, was that they problem. were they were Jewishly made magic hats. Possibly Jewishly made magic hats. Okay. Anti-Semitism <laughs> was rampant in Russia. I mean, this is when like pogroms are just kicking off left and right. Oh right. Yeah. I mean, and, and the church is filled with like anti-Semitic, like actual like societies. Okay. Uh, so yes, it was very dangerous to be Jewish at this time. But the interesting thing about Rasputin is like Rasputin actually had a ton of Jewish friends. He was one of the few guys around. Was like, ah, come on, let's hang out. He was very cool with the Jewish folk. Cool guy. Well, well but that not- was Rasputin's whole, Rasputin's whole thing was love everybody. That's yeah. what he kept saying. It's like when you actually read when you read Douglas Smith's Rasputin Faith Power in the Twilight of the Romanovs you they were, there's a little bit more of what his actual beliefs are which is stuff like love your neighbor love everybody and he loved the Jewish people and he, he was all about it I, I don't really understand and at the time though it was very fashionable to be anti-Semitic which is not cool no no of course not no absolutely not we love everyone here Yes, we Thank do. you, Kissel. Good work. Very good work, guys. We did it by being, being normal. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually, because of the uh, supposed anti-Semitism, actually, I don't even think he was Jewish, uh, but because of that, he was forced out of court never to return. But okay. before he left, he told Alex that she would one day have another friend like him, and this friend would be able to commune with God. This planted the seed that would sprout into Rasputin. You know that he thought for just a second that maybe he'd show up with a mustache and just <laughs> be a different guy. Just like for a second, like maybe I could pull this off. But you know, but and then like in Mary Poppins, when he said goodbye, he put a hat on and then just disappeared. And we're like, whoa. But after Philippe left. Alex finally gave birth to a son. Hey, all right. Alexis. He was born on July 30th, 1904, and everything seemed to be all good for the first few months, but pretty soon, the ugly head of European royalty hereditary disease reared up, and Alex was diagnosed as a hemophiliac. Uh-oh. Well, I want to say this. I think that her firstborn daughter should have been the leader. <laughs> Olga? Wow. Olga. Yes. Oh, my, you listen to it, Olga. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, Queen Olga? Queen Olga? I will do whatever. Mostly wash uh, yeah. her. Queen I feel Olga. Like it's, yeah, it's a lot of demands will... of washing feet and things like that. No, but I'll ride on the back of a Queen Olga just <laughs> cupping her massive Russian boobies and just, just using her big bull butt like a saddle. Like that's, That would be cool. I'd be fine with that. Now, the common misconception about hemophilia is that since the blood can't clot, a single cut can be fatal. And that's, like, kind of true, but the real danger with hemophilia is internal hemorrhaging. You get a bruise, Mm. you might bleed to death, but from the inside. So Alex believed that this whole thing was her fault personally, despite the fact that her royal bloodline was chalk full of hemophiliacs all came from queen victoria she brought it into the european bloodline and before you knew it there were a half dozen of them running around europe is it something that also comes from being incested well it was just that they all they just all intermarried together so queen victoria brought it in from the outside so uh i think one of her sons uh, or two of her daughters if i remember correctly Two of her daughters uh, were carriers for disease, the disease. One of his son, one of her sons was an actual hemophiliac. I believe his name was Leopold. Okay. Uh, and the two daughters uh, were just carriers. And one should of them, someone should have told him to put it down. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Yeah. So a rare 
Marion. <laughs> Very good. So one of them took it over and introduced it into the Spanish royal bloodline. Oh. And Alex Alexandra took it over and introduced it into the Russian royal bloodline. Okay, there it is. But she thought this whole thing... I mean, it's all genetics. It's not her fault at all. Right. But she thought that the whole thing had happened because she wasn't close enough to God. Mm. She believed that prayer was the answer to everything, including sickness. But she also believed that she didn't have enough power on her own. She needed someone new, someone to bring her closer to God. Oh. And that man was Rasputin. All right. I'm here, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I hear your son's a real free, free bleeder, huh? Don't this fucked up, huh? Hey, I make his blood strong by hey, I play with his feet. Uh, come on. I'm having fun. He's a real Billy Graham. <laughs> now, Rasputin had been waiting in the wings in St. Petersburg at the insistence of the Crow Sisters for about two years. They knew that Rasputin wasn't getting anywhere near the Empress while Magic Hat Guy was still around. But as soon as he was out of the picture, they started making moves. Okay. So on November 1st, 1905, Rasputin, along with the Crow Sisters, met Nicholas and Alex for tea for about three hours at the Imperial Palace. And I think it was actually scheduled in their calendar as creepy lunch. <laughs> I love a creepy lunch. But actually, the meeting was only supposed to be like a high hello. They yeah. were supposed to show up and it was supposed to be five minutes and it turned into three hours because Rasputin knew how to fucking lay it slick for oh, the two yeah. of them. And those uh, eyes, they're, they're da those dazzling eyes of his. Oh, dazzling. Yeah, he laid it on thick immediately. He called them Batyuska and Matuska, which was a peasant way of saying little father and little mother. But they loved it because cool. they didn't like the stuffy old aristocracy. And they loved it even more when he used the informal version of you in Russian. We don't really have that in English, like the, the formal and informal you. But in Russia, they have it. Like if, you, if you're talking to like a superior or a better, you use the formal term of you. Mm. But Rasputin used the informal term of you, which kind of put them on the same level. And they absolutely loved that. But the thing was, he didn't have to fake his folkiness. He all he had to do was be himself. I guess maybe it's use. Yeah, use guys. Use guys. You, that's I, the I, informal. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, we have to have some kind. It's of It's newsies <laughs> terms. Yeah. is what you use. But they are very. Uh, I mean, it's uh, still true to this day. Every rich person I meet loves just being one of the regulars, mm -hmm. except if it means going in the normal security line at the airport <laughs> right. or like anything else that's regular, like anything that's actually regular. But yeah, they love entertaining the idea that someone will show up. And he's like, look, we're like one of them. Yeah, the moment it become, turns into an inconvenience, of course, they don't want to be a part of the hoi polloi anymore. But anything right. that's like fun, like hanging out with the dirty man who calls you you, uh, then that's great. Yeah, it's like it's when Bruce case. Springsteen was on Broadway, and I think the tickets were going for 1200 bucks, <laughs> so you can really connect with the working man. He's a man of the people. <laughs> I love the boss, but I'm just uh, a little high-priced. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. high -priced. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But when Rasputin left this meeting, Nicholas asked one of his top advisors what he thought of the Siberian peasant. And the advisor bluntly said that he thought Rasputin was insincere, unbalanced, and probably suffered from a, quote, inflamed brain. You know what I would yes. say if someone told me that? Well, tell me what you really think. <laughs> you know, Come when on, someone guys. says something that they... Yeah. Uh, I'd like a second opinion. And they're like, oh, you're ugly. No, but it's true. <laughs> but this is how everyone reacted to Rasputin. Everybody, anybody else but them was like, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, so many people saw Rasputin for who he was, but you know, Alex. But they weren't. I mean, these well, they were uh, desperate, right? They weren't just desperate; they were rich. They yeah. were sheltered, like they didn't know. Right, like this this guy, this advisor, like I think he was a soldier. He knew, like he'd met assholes like Rasputin in mm-hmm. his life. But the royal, the imperial family, they just didn't know. They mm-hmm. had no street sense whatsoever. But for the and because of that, for the first and certainly not the last time. Nicholas dismissed one of his trusted advisor's opinions and slowly began to let Rasputin into his life and the life of his family. And from then on, Rasputin was not Rasputin to the imperial family, and he never would be. He was only referred to as either Gregory or, more commonly, our friend. Okay. Weird. <laughs> Whenever you have, you meet a couple that has like a guy that they call our friend, you know it's, like, it's very complicated. Very. <laughs> Now, Rasputin's rise to Alex's side did not happen overnight. It took another two years for the right opportunity to present itself. Rasputin spent that time ingratiating himself, getting the imperial family to trust him all the time, impressing upon him his skills as a healer. So, on June 19th, 1907, when young Alexis was in terrible pain from an internal hemorrhage, you know, a complication of his hemophilia, mm-hmm. Alex called on Rasputin for the first time. Pulling him up from the fucking bullpen. And he's been in there waving his arms, shuffling back and forth, slapping his feet with his dick, just being like, I've got the fucking rock. It's time for me to learn the fucking fadeaway, dude. Well, that's, you conflated two different sports there. You're welcome. What you did. They, they, they sent him in to throw a touchdown. I love sportsmanship. <laughs> Now, the fact that Alex brought Rasputin in is extremely telling because almost nobody knew about the hemophilia. This was a closely guarded family secret because they knew that their power was fragile and appearing as anything but invincible to the public might result in the end of the imperial family. These people had to appear so much further above the hoi polloi so as uh, the peasants to think that they could never rise up. Hmm. Also, with the with the now the saddling of the Duma in, involving the Duma, now the saddling <laughs> of the Duma involving their decision making means that they uh, have to appear very strong. Yeah, because they they are constantly saying, "No, you need the czars. You need our imperial choices as a part of the government." And so they, they're going to come. It's like fucking it's in Sopranos. Tony Soprano can't let him know he's in therapy, man, because fuck. Got attackers from all sides. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to seem vulnerable. Did you say hoi polloi? Hoi polloi. Yeah, hoi he's been saying it a lot. He said <laughs> he said it five or six times. I thought it was a Hawaiian dish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing about letting uh, Alex's hemophilia out is that he was the male heir. They knew that he was next in line, uh, right. so the Duma could easily say it's like, uh, so let's just get rid of this whole market thing because it's obviously not working out. We can't have this. We can't have this feeble kid. Next in line. What if something happens to Nicholas? He's not going to. What if he he's going to be sick in bed all the time, and he might die at any moment before he even fathers an heir? Did they try if, to have another child at all? Or? They, they couldn't. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Al, if you, uh, yeah, her her uterus was all fucking blown out. Give out, and then yeah. you're you're cutting over to Al to Alexi, and that sweet little boy looks like the kid from the Secret Garden, and he's like, Daddy, do you think that one day 
I can sprout wings like a bird and fly to heaven. And they're like, oh, fuck. He's going to have to be emperor one day. And he's just like <laughs> draped in blankets because he's constantly shivering from how thin his blood is. Not good. <laughs> well, the fact that Alex brought Rasputin in this time tells you not only how much she trusted Rasputin, but how desperate she was to help her son. So Rasputin came in, prayed over the boy's body, and miraculously, the next day, the kid was all better. Oh. And no one had ever made Alexei's pain go away so quickly or had even had any effect on it whatsoever. So Alex believed that Rasputin was the man of God that Philippe had foretold. Naturally. Finally sent to her in her greatest hour of need. So from then on, Rasputin was always there to alleviate Alexei's symptoms again and again. The amazing thing here, though, is this isn't a myth. By dozens of corroborated accounts, Rasputin could actually help the boy. The thing is, nobody actually knows how Rasputin did this. Hmm. Rasputin never cured the disease, but when the boy was seriously injured, sometimes near to the point of death, the presence of Rasputin almost always made things better. And sometimes he didn't even need to be there. On one occasion, Rasputin was on one of his many vacations back home to Siberia when the boy sustained an injury so bad he was given his last rites. So a telegram was sent to Rasputin, pleading him for help. And Rasputin Rasputin sent a telegram back that said the boy's going to be just fine, just so long as the doctors don't bother him too much. And miraculously, the next day, the boy recovered. That happened. That is a matter of historical record. Hmm, it would be good to have Rasputin around when you're having your pasta, your spaghetti, and you got your marinara, but it's a thin marinara, and it's kind of runny, always and you say, get over here, thicken up, thicken so it up. So you're saying... Do you think maybe he make the, he made the kid eat a bunch of like cornstarch or flour, and that's <laughs> that's what really that's a natural thickener, oh. or you get something like an agate or like something like that where you get some like a, a chemical thickener where you pour it into there, maybe a maybe. gelatin. <laughs> yes. So. How did Rasputin do it? How did he do it? How did Rasputin succeed when virtually nobody in the medical profession the world over knew how to even alleviate the pain of hemophilia, much less bring the boy back from the brink of death? How did he do it? How did he do it? Tell us how he did it. There are a few theories, okay, oh. but not many good ones. Okay. Oh, well, now I'm <laughs> mad. Great. Great. Is it aggregarian? Is, is it have to do with the 1905 Russian Revolution and then the Sino-Japanese War. Russo-Japanese. Yes. <laughs> now, one theory says that a lady-in-waiting was in cahoots with Rasputin and would drug Alexis to trigger the symptoms and then she would discontinue the treatment just before Rasputin arrived to make it look like Rasputin as soon as he was like, oh, the boy is better. Munchausen. Munchausen by proxy. O.J. Okay. Simpson. <laughs> what? <laughs> When he didn't take his arthritis medication, so his hands would expand, uh, so he wouldn't fit in the glove. Yes, so he yeah. could, the glove doesn't fit. You must acquit, and he did acquit. The and now he's juries, in Las Vegas. What have we learned from every single jury? They love rhymes. Love <laughs> rhymes. You love can rhymes. just find a rhyme. You're guaranteed you're innocent. Well, the thing is that there's no drug that exists that can exacerbate the uh, symptoms of hemophilia. Others say. 
that Rasputin used hypnosis. And one thing we do know about Rasputin was that he was a terribly talented hypnosis. Dangerously so. Well, you can't be terribly talented. Yeah, terribly talented. Yeah, terribly that's, totally, talented. that's a thing no, that people ter- say. Terribly, terribly talented? Ter- terribly, terribly talented. You're incredibly well, it's talented. Something that well, that's another way of saying it. No, you there are multiple ter- ways to say that I someone is extremely can. talented. You can. It's like saying awfully talented. And uh-huh. terribly talented is technically a thing my mother would say about like the guy from JAG. Where she'd be like, he's terribly talented. <laughs> like, but then is, you're not talented. That's a, that's a tone I hear it in. I just, would, I just take a little issue with it. Well, you, uh, well, do you think terribly just cancels out talented? Because yes. why would I why would I say he was talented if I was already going to cancel it out with the word terribly? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> he was badly talented because you're he not did it for talented. bad things. <laughs> I also want to apologize. It's Jeff Hornacek, not John Hornacek. Okay, uh, I had to get that. Oh, in. good. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one historian believes that Rasputin was able to calm Alexis down by using hypnotism to contract his blood vessels, slowing the flow of blood and therefore allowing him to heal. But nobody ever actually saw Rasputin hypnotize the boy. Plus, there was the matter of the telegram incident. And that wasn't the only time that Rasputin did it from afar. On one occasion, when Rasputin was too drunk to show up, which he sometimes was. He was still drinking, huh? Ooh, Ooh yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had yeah, you, no. bro. Well, he was yeah, sober man, for a long time. He had the entire emperor. He had the entire line of the Romanovs on his shoulders. I think he needed to take the edge off every once in a while. Well, he stayed sober for a long time, but then about like 1808, he fell off the wagon and stayed off the wagon. 1908. 1908. Or, uh, yeah. 1908. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. 1908, fell off the wagon, stayed off the wagon, and was drunk for uh, the remainder of his days. Okay. But at this time, yeah, th- this time, like Alex called him up. He was too drunk to come in uh so he just told alex over the phone boy is gonna be fine within the hour don't worry about it boy is gonna be oh. fine within <laughs> the hour. Be no, it's like <laughs> did i ever tell you the story about how my my super is never around in my apartment complex he's this russian dude who's always fucked up and he's never around my neighbors one of them is nine months pregnant she was trapped in the elevator and we called him the elevator stopped working we're trying to get her out of there we called him and he was just like i be there in in two hours we're like no 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 this is a now thing this has got to be handled now he's like okay what you do is you get the ramming rod and then just shove into the side of elevator door shaft and you give it you swing it back and forth like you're trying to work a stick into a dog's asshole <laughs> and i was like oh good so i'm gl- I'm glad i'm getting to talk through this like a d- drunk dude at the airport trying to tell me how to land the plane did you uh <laughs> did you save the woman no she died okay <laughs> all right good, good no story. she lives and she the, the, and the, she birthed the, the the kid is beautiful the kid is good. beautiful and they're very happy good, good. well the whole point of this is is that uh whatever espion did worked he just said the boy's going to be fine within the hour, and that's exactly what happened. But he didn't. He really didn't do anything, though. He just said the boy's going to be fine. Okay. He did something. And I guess. that's when coincidence was kind of floated. Right. Uh, but even Rasputin wasn't that lucky, because this happened a lot. Like, the boy, like hemophilia isn't like a once-a-year type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this boy got hurt, even though they were very careful, and he had, like, two sailors following him around at, uh, at all times just to make sure he was fine. Oh, you're always safe when the sailors are protecting you. <laughs> <laughs> the strongest of all the military folks. Thank you for your service if the sailors are out there service. listening. Yes, we yes. appreciate you. Well, the point was, the kid was fine when Rasputin was around in some capacity and he was half bleeding to death from the inside when Rasputin wasn't and that's a fact. He was a real bagger Vance. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, some people think that the explanation is so simple, it's almost stupid. Hmm. See, back in those days, aspirin was considered a type of wonder drug, a cure-all, especially for pain. And since this boy was in so much pain almost all the time, they kept pumping him full of aspirin. But what they didn't know back then is that aspirin is a blood thinner, mm-hmm. and it's just about the worst thing you can give to a hemophiliac. Mm. It's theorized that Rasputin, when he came around, he just made sure Alexis wasn't given any aspirin, but he never actually told anyone his secret so he could keep himself useful. Hence, the sentence in the telegram, make sure the doctors don't bother him too much. And that mm. is also a way to get your pasta sauce thinner. Put a couple <laughs> aspirin in there. <laughs> what? I'm not a cook. I don't that's know. Disgusting. I, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you cook it. Oh, yeah. What, what happens if something's not spicy enough? Throw a couple of Benadryl into the mix? Put some Bennies in there. <laughs> I love a couple of Benadryls. And then you guess what? If the pasta doesn't make you go to sleep, the Benadryl does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that actually, uh, did Rasputin know that? Or was that just a total coincidence and it happened to work out? For him. This is Who just a theory. Who fucking knows? Who knows? Okay. I, no, no one knows. It just the, he had this hold over the sun, which is what kept him in play with the czars for so long. Was that he was some somehow he was the fucking security blanket. But yeah. regardless if it was just luck or not, it it did work. It so did work. What can you? No, say? It, it wasn't luck. He was doing something. Like yeah. I, we don't know what it was he was doing, but he was doing something. And of course, there's the explanation that Rasputin actually was a magical healer. But there is one other thing to consider. Okay, horses. He's a horse. <laughs> he is a horse. So this whole time we're telling a story about Rasputin the horse. Well, that no, no, that Alexi's a horse. Oh, Alexi's a horse. Yes, there's a horse. There's a okay. horse. So the boy's a horse. So Russia now has a horse leader. Well, this is probably Which, not going to work out well for them in the future. Well, technically, it was the birth of the joke of then they walked in, they went, they saw Alexi, and the first thing the doctor said is, "Why the long face?" Ah. <laughs> now, as we talked about on the last episode, Rasputin had always been uncomfortable commonly good with horses he was a horse whisperer but in some cultures horse whisper is interchangeable with what they call a blood stiller Hmm. the baroness sophie bucks hoveden said that she'd seen a guy called alexander the horse leech terrible (laughs) god i don't want to know why he's called that this is why okay he when a horse got hurt when a horse got cut you called up alexander the horse leech the horse leech and the horse leech and what did the horse leech do he'd come out he'd massage the wound he'd mumble some nonsense words and then the bleeding would stop i don't like it yeah <laughs> i'd be like stop touching my fucking horse get out of your horse <laughs> leech no, you, no, you call the horse leech the horse leech doesn't just show up and start rubbing on bleeding horses i can smell them for miles so get out of here alexander the horse leech became horse shack welcome back connor it's a long line of horse people well sometimes this whole blood stilling thing could even be done on people another person in the russian aristocracy said that they saw someone do it when one peasant accidentally struck the other one with an axe. The guy with was an axe. <laughs> with an axe. <laughs> so it's possible, though not probable, that Rasputin was able to parlay his horse sense into calming the blood of the young Sarovich. You and your freaking horse sense. <laughs> this is the advice that I give to anybody around, okay? If you're nervous around people, 
you up there, you're performing or you're doing something like, let's say you're pulling out your schlarsh or you're fucking, you're dancing the kleba for the emperor's <laughs> birthday. Imagine everyone is a horse. <laughs> and that's what I do. I look at Alexi, I see little horse, and first thing I think, oh, I need to fill these bucket from the milk from its swollen others. And then I remember, no, in fact, is boy. I just <laughs> stroke. Also, I don't think you can stroke. milk a horse, Rasputin. <laughs> well, you can. I mean, do I have to go through the whole meet the parents fucking... Robert De Niro bullshit about how you can milk anything. You know what? Maybe you are a sage because you knew about Meet the Fockers. I knew that they would, it would definitely fizzle at the third sequel because Robert De Niro is phoning it in. Well, really, though, how Rasputin's healing powers worked didn't really matter. All that mattered was that Rasputin was now at the right hand of the empress of the largest country on the face of the planet. Wow. But Rasputin was not an unknown in St. Petersburg. By that point, he'd been in town for a few years, and he had developed quite the reputation in the meantime. And now that he was at the Empress's side, Rasputin was easily the hottest goss in town. Oh. Well, this dude fucking just shows up. No one knows because all of this hemophilia stuff's happening on the on the DL. No one knows what the what the real reason for him being there. He's just in and out of the emperor's house, which is very difficult to do. He's hanging right. out with all of the, the 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 biggest social circles in the world at the time, especially in Russia. And then it's just like, who the fuck is this guy? And yeah. all of a sudden, it's like he gets the attention of everyone because. Yeah. And it's not just like it's the people, it's the it's the church, and then it's the fucking cops. They're like all right well now we have to look into who this guy is hmm. yeah the people the church the government nobody could figure out why Rasputin was held in such high regard by the Romanovs I mean had people known about his mysterious healing powers they might have just brushed Rasputin off as like an imperial idiosyncrasy like a quirk of the empress like oh yeah he just likes to she just likes to have the dirty guy around because she thinks that he can heal her son it's mm. fine she's a grieving mother give her that right uh and there would be other consequences for coming clean but, but people would still know the truth right but since people had no idea the horniest man in town suddenly at the side of the empress was about as fertile ground as you could get for rumors. Well, part of remember is that that's what secrecy does. It breeds rumors and it breeds allow if that's the it's always the mistake of allowing the public and everyone else to fill the gaps in the story because then the the story gets wilder and wilder and if you're already at this very this crazy crux in in Russian history where the people are, are really unsettled and the relationship between the aristocracy and the people and the church was at with this very high tension point that didn't need help. So basically it's like if uh, the White House was all of a sudden David Duchovny was just going in and out of the White House, and you're like, what is happening? Why? Why? Yeah, why, why is he hanging out? Why is he right. with fucking Mike Pence, and they're fucking, they're golfing, and then he's yes. on Air and Force why is, One, why? and you see him have his own phone line being like, I love David Duchovny. I trust him because of Fox Mulder, but I also don't really know him. Yes, and why is Melania smiling for the first time? What could it be? He's like carrying her in a big basket. Get, get me David Duchovny. That's a um, horrible accent, but... 
Now, the root of all these sexy rumors was that Rasputin was still a Kalisti. Remember the Kalisti, the spinning uh, sex people th- that we talked about in the last episode? The Kalisti. Were, <laughs> the, sing- the, Kalisti. the swinging sex people. Spinning they sex were people. Spinning sex people. <laughs> okay. Spinning sex people. Well, they were trying to make him a Kalisti. They were trying to say this because, which is also weird because technically it wasn't illegal to be a Kalisti. It was just frowned upon and no one li- no one liked them for some reason. But at the same time, he never was. And so they're, they're big banking on trying to make him a Kalisti kitten pan out. Yeah, it yeah. also sounds like it would be very dizzying. Yeah, <laughs> with all the spinning there. Well, that was it. We covered that. You were very confused last time as well. It's- I still am. <laughs> don't get it. Don't get a lot of it. Now, this wasn't necessarily outrageous in Russia at the time because, as it's pointed out in Twilight of the Romanovs, Russia was filled with bad chick crazy offshoots of Christianity at the time. There were the Bagunni. Oh. The, they were called that was that was the Runners. Oh. They didn't have names, use money, or acknowledge family or the state. Cool. Fuck yeah. The Begunnies. The Begunnies. Okay. There was yeah. also the Morakane, the milk drinkers. Love milk. <laughs> I love milk too. And I, don't, and I don't like it when people tell me I should stop drinking milk because I yeah. like it. I, I love milk. You know, actually, we're not supposed to drink milk. Yeah. I, <laughs> that is true. Well, guess it's what? If we weren't supposed to drink milk, you know what would happen? I wouldn't be able to wrap my lips around an udder and suck on it until the milk came out of it. Right? Uh-huh. Get out Get out of here, Henry. <laughs> Every farmer that's ever met Henry. <laughs> then there was the Dukubori. They oh. were the spirit wrestlers. Oh, okay. And oh, yeah. there was the Skatsi. They castrated themselves. They, they oh. cut it off, huh? Yeah, and it wasn't just the men either. The, the dudes castrated themselves, and the women uh, sliced off their breasts. No kidding. Yep, no kidding. Well, that's, that's one you don't want to be a part of, yeah. <laughs> well, the goss about Rasputin wasn't just whispered in palace halls and spoken over fancy dinners. This shit was front-page news in papers all over Russia, hmm. written in that beautiful Russian literature style. Oh, yeah. This is an excerpt from a story about Rasputin in the new Sunday evening newspaper, and I love this. Rasputin is a symbol. He is not a real person. He is the characteristic product of our strange times, when we must endure exhaustion without end, and when you feel around you a poisonous miasm rising up out of the swamp. When the twilight descends all around, and then they have light strange figures come crawling out from their cramped lairs. Ghouls, bats, neon dead, a different kind of evil spirit. Damn it, you ruined it by going into Scottish. <laughs> he goes into Scottish. <laughs> it's this beautiful passage of like Russian writing, you like saw Russian the slide, literature. And it's the best. And I saw right the slide. Into, yeah. And I'm listening to him like, God damn it, don't, God damn it, don't start He's doing the Scottish accent. Don't start fucking doing it. <laughs> and then got he got a red beard. What can he do? It's in his blood. <laughs> All right. So after that, Rasputin hit the national scene when the Moscow Gazette ran a story called The Spiritual Torture actor of Gregory Rasputin. That is what I want an article about me to be titled so bad. <laughs> yep. Well, you might get written up in the Moscow Gazette. I can see it. <laughs> well, that article portrayed Rasputin as a lecherous womanizer, a hypnotic social climber, and a pseudo-prophet suffering from sp- spiritual delusion. Mm. Now, that's pretty mm. spot on. But other newspapers took it even further. One paper ran a 10-article series about Rasputin. More than Jim Jones got. (laughs) Yep. Wow. They claimed wacky shit like Rasputin keeping a harem of 12 beautiful young women as prisoners back in Pokroskoya. 
However, even though there were tons of rumors going around about Rasputin, he didn't really help himself all that much because Rasputin had a real big fucking mouth when it came to just about anything. Okay. That's a problem. So, yeah, the peasant lost in the aristocracy act was only half an act. He still was a fucking big mouth, ludicrous dude. When he showed up, like, joking around and doing all this stuff, it came naturally. And so as he grew in confidence and also had the power of the fucking czars behind him... Mm-hmm. Making him invincible, he was just roasting everybody. Yeah, roast mode. Yeah, yeah. He was that guy that like shows up and he's very charming at first, but then after a while, you're just like, oh god, you've got to go. You got to go. Yep. Like this fucking guy, I can't, I can't deal with this fucking mm-hmm. guy anymore. Now, what Rasputin loved was shocking people, specifically by describing the sex lives of horses to distinguished ladies of the aristocracy. Oh. There was one scene in this book, in the uh, the untold story that you're currently reading by about Rasputin, is that <laughs> he tells the whole story, he's just like, you know, in the field, when the horse is super horny and juicy for fuck, She spreads her hoofs around by marking it with mushrooms so that the phallus of the horse can scroosh, scroosh, scroosh so the balls can slap up against her others and you, my lady, are a saucy little mare. Like, he would tell, basically, he would tell everybody about... Yes, sometimes. I mean, I'm also going to say he did a little grabsies that did not do go over well. Well... As he is well. a problematic character. He's a very yeah. He's yes, a very problematic course. character. Yeah, uh, and but that's the thing. Like he wasn't a handsome guy, uh, but they said that he simultaneously captivated and repelled women. Hmm. <laughs> now he was what you might call a minor cult leader. He had followers that he called his little ladies, okay. all women, and they took care of him. They gave him gifts. They arranged his schedule, and they even tried to copy the way he talked and moved. Yeah, swinging her arms around, wearing big <laughs> fake socks in their dresses. Yeah. <laughs> but these women weren't peasants or common city rabble or young impressionable girls. These were aristocrats. His first aristocratic lady was Olga Loktina. A lot of Olgas. Yeah, it's a, Olga was a, a pretty common name. It's okay. like, uh, what was it, like Ashley. Maybe Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> like a Jenny. <laughs> yeah, and Olga was 40 years old when she first met Rasputin. Mm. She had been beset for years with chronic intestinal flu. Oh. But just as soon as Rasputin came to pray at her side, she said she was cured. And from then on... She was his. Now, there are definitely much more sensationalist takes on Rasputin's relationship with Olga, particularly in the timeline documentary about Rasputin narrated by Brian Cox, which tends to present most rumor as fact. Brian Cox, the linebacker for the Chicago Bears? Jesus no, no, Brian, Brian Cox, Cox from Super Troopers and Manhunter. <laughs> yeah, what? Brian Cox, the actor. Uh, but he, the, every one of these docs are filled with shit. Yeah. Like that's kind of the problem. Oh, Every yeah. time you watch one, they're all they all say the same shit. They all they all d- perpetuate like him being a member of the Kleisty yeah. and being a fucking uh, black monk. And stuff I think like my that. Uh, my favorite doc on Rasputin it's called Zoo. <laughs> have you ever seen that? It's a it's a powerful film. I think you might have liked it. No one story 
that was told in this documentary about Olga said that she eventually abandoned her husband and children for Rasputin, believing him to be Jesus and her the Virgin Mary. Oh my gosh. She was supposedly found in his apartment. Also, she's not a virgin. She has a kid. What do you yes. mean? What? Oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm not. Well, she was supposedly found in his apartment with a death grip on his cock, screaming, You are Christ, and I am your you. And to this, Rasputin yelled, You are a skunk who demands sin. <laughs> what? What kind of flirting is this? So he talks about the in- the intricacies of horse sex, and then that and then he calls her a skunk, and she says He's he is Jesus. He's fucking making this hot, dude. It's hot for her. Oh, God. Yeah. And she was taken away. Uh, and the, this documentary, like, it, God, it's such fun. It's very fun, but it's just such full of bullshit. Okay. Uh, it also features this creepy little guy who is way into Rasputin, particularly Rasputin's sex life. So let's hear <sighs> let's hear this little guy described. Oh, we got to hear this little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It was not sex. It was way to God. He took everything which was terrible in their souls. They became absolutely clean. They became like children. They like themselves in that moment because they were on the heaven. Oh, he looks like a man who only eats four-leaf clovers. <laughs> that is, And he's way into that. He is so into that. A Russian man with bright red hair is very, very gross. Uh, also okay. does... Uh, but he seems to think it's very good. He really does. And he, he's just so... He's so excited. No, and I, he's yeah. so, so excited. He reminds me of... I just watched a... Uh, after uh, uh, Robert Hansen, I watched a bunch of shit on Incels and a, a deep dive into people who are purchasing... Uh, uh, wives who would do mail order brides, uh-huh. and he looks like half those guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, the other thing about Rasputin, on the serious side, there were about half a dozen women that came forward with serious charges mm-hmm. against Rasputin. They're saying that Rasputin coerced them into sex on multiple occasions. But even with that, Alex refused to believe any of it. Mm. And as far as Rasputin's wife, Praskovia, went, she just dealt with it. Yeah, what is what's the wife and family doing? They're just back in Proskovia, like okay. they're or not Proskovia. Uh, they're he they're back. The money? I think Proskovia. I keep getting the name of his wife and the name of his hometown mixed up. Well, they're very similar. They're very very similar. Yes, yeah. But is he is he sending them money and he's stuff going like, back he's and go- forth? A oh, ton. he is going yeah. back and forth. Is he rich at this point? Then well, we're gonna find out. So, so the breakdown is is that. During this time point, during this time period, he's going back and forth to Proskovia in order to show off all of the shit he's gotten. I the sisters that gave him a bunch of money, enough oh, to, for okay. him to buy a massive house uh, in his hometown, which then he's also taking all of that money and buying. Get, he's doing like MC Hammer when he moved back to Compton, <laughs> where he comes in and he's just giving all of his money to people in the town, essentially just to make them jealous. Mm. But his wife has, like, a, a very deep understanding. She's <sighs> like fucking Hugh Jackman's wife. Where she <laughs> okay. is just allowing him to do whatever it is that she wants because she it's their arrangement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. one day, uh, back in Rasputin's hometown, his wife was showing off their house to, like, a visiting couple, and she found her husband having sex with a woman in their house okay. while she was home. Uh, but he didn't call it having sex uh, outside of marriage. He called it exercising a demon. But she showed no emotion 
or even even a bit of embarrassment in front of her guests. Okay. All she said was, quote, Each man must bear his cross, and this is his. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. So she's totally buying in. She's bought in completely. Yeah. Okay. Now, there were and still are rumors that Rasputin took Alex as a lover, but this is just another one of the Rasputin myths. The biggest, if not only reason, why Alex kept Rasputin around for as long as she did was because she believed he was necessary to the survival of her son. Right. She even went as far as to commission a study called Russian Saints Who Are Holy Fools about people who were regarded insane or eccentric in their times, but were eventually accepted by the church. Think about how much work that was to validate their choices, too. Between her and Nicholas, they constantly had to like show everybody, no, it's cool, no, it's cool. So she had a bunch of scholars go and write a academic paper saying every saint was called a pervert. Uh, up until now, which was fudging the facts a little bit. <laughs> okay, we got facts fudged. Well, one, one of the big things that she neglected to mention in this is that uh, all of those saints, uh, they stopped all of their, you know, drinking and womanizing and all that which stuff. Which I thought when they Rasputin got... had done, but apparently he had not. <clears throat> oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's the real fuel short... that keeps the machine going. <laughs> it was a real short trip on the wagon for Rasputin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and she even went, like, she even notated the copies that she gave to friends. In one copy, she underlined all the passages in the book that talked about the, quote-unquote, sexual dissoluteness uh, that some of the holy fools were known for in order to, as she put it, place Rasputin's habits in perspective. Okay. But even through everything, right. the Empress stuck by Rasputin. So he is basically untouchable at this point. I mean, he's touchable at this point still. Okay. And the heat is about to get turned up real fucking high on Rasputin by both the church and the state. He's going to have a few little stumbles, but he's going to make it through until... World War One. Oh my yeah, goodness! Not All good, right, dude. yeah. He was hopping and skipping and skipping and jumping, and he was doing his best for a long time. And what we're going to learn too is that mostly it's got down to the fact that Rasputin was just trying to have a good time, trying to make as much money as possible, and try to be like one of the aristocracy. But they didn't want a part of that, so they were going to make sure that he was not for very long. Yeah. All right, that's where we'll pick up next time. Well, here I can't wait to see uh, how hot the temperature gets. Oh yeah, because one of the big things to remember about Rasputin is that Rasputin never really had goals. He wasn't actually trying to do anything. Right. All Rasputin wanted was to be Rasputin. And in order to be the most Rasputin that Rasputin could be, Uh he had to be in the highest level of society. And we're going to see on the next episode exactly how he manages to stay there. I'll say it's like that, man. I mean, I'm so used to L.A. crazy, the best weed in the world. That when I go to like other places where it's like weed comes from like a like a baggie again, I'm ch- I'm changed. I'm changed. I have become high society, Henry Zabrowski, uh, immediately. Yep. All right. Just like I got to fly first class on the way to Florida on the way back, right by the toilets again. Right by the so toilets. There we go. Which I actually like, by the way, in the back. It's it's. it's I, I know we've convenient. we've talked about this all a right. lot. Yeah, how weird. much you love being right next and to the get toilet. Get up, you go right there. Anyway, all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, what do we got to do? Thank you uh, so much for the Patreon of subscribers. Course. Without you, none of this is possible. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I know we haven't been uh, too good at the shout-outs. We've been a lot of really big yeah, time crunches st- yeah. uh, because of the book and various things that we're, we're having to get done here. Uh, but we are 
being really good about putting out extra bonus content. Yep, Henry and, and I have a fun interview coming up for you that I think you guys are going to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, all of those are available over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left. All you have to do is give $5 uh, or more, and you get access to a ton uh, of extra bonus content that we've done over the years. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, follow us all on social media. Oh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You and Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Ben Tasty and Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, the number one. And follow us on all of the shit at LP on the left. Yeah, and on Instagram, just tag us, and then I, I go to the I go to see who tagged, and then I like to put them on my feet too. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, you're having so fun much, with it. You're well, really so many great artists and all the dogs and stuff. I mean, it's it's incredible um, how talented uh, our listeners are. And watch, uh, they listen to the other shows. We got other shows. Yeah, yeah we got we got show. We got products. We got shows. <laughs> all right, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gain. Hail me, and remember. Don't follow a stinky man, even if he makes your son's blood thicker. (laughs) All right, (laughs) Magoostalations, everyone.